1: And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg.
0: And welcome back in, our number two of the program here on Thursday. And as you heard, Skylar, there, you're going to have some nice weather today and tomorrow. And I hope that that means that the trade off is that we don't have a heat wave like we had last summer. Remember, we had two of those heat waves. I'd rather just have it be a nice balance, you know? Uh, so, I, I want to mention something here before we go forward, and certainly the things we were talking about in the first hour are on the table, uh, if you want to discuss that, but uh, this is something that I want to bring up. It's also in an article that I have at WBSM.com and on the app, but yesterday was the fifth anniversary, as you heard Kate mention in the, in the news, it was the fifth anniversary of uh, Yarmouth Police Sergeant and New Bedford native Sean Gannon's murder, and As part of the observation of the fifth anniversary, his family uh, composed an open letter and it was shared on the Yarmouth police page. So I'm just going to read this to you in its entirety. It's only, it's only a couple of paragraphs, but if you, if you want to check it out for yourself, you can of course read the story at WBSM.com and on the app, but it's uh, it's an open letter from the Gannon family on this fifth anniversary of Sean's untimely death. May we take this opportunity to thank the thousands of people who continue to keep his memory and legacy alive through the countless memorials, letters, honors, and ultimately the gift of friendship to our family. Moreover, the good that continues to emerge from such a grievous loss, not only to our family but to the community that Sean served with distinction, reveals the innate goodness of people that goes beyond the pale. The qualities of compassion, generosity, self-sacrifice, a strong work ethic, ethic, and basic decency that define Sean to his core continue to emerge that preserve not only his memory, but bring a light of hope into a dark world. Sean Sean shone his light in his all-too-brief life. Now we can best remember him by doing the same. As Sean's widow, Dara, has previously stated, no gesture of kindness is too small. Without seeking attention for himself, Sean acted on his principles and led by example we can do likewise. On this fifth anniversary of Sean's death, we can best honor Sean's sacrifice and legacy by our care for one another and for the greater good in the world. To you all, our deepest thanks. Sincerely, the Gannon family. So I just thought that you would want to hear that. As, uh, you know, yesterday marked the fifth fifth anniversary of his untimely death. And of course, uh, the person convicted of his murder has... You know, he he was convicted of second-degree murder, so um, justice served. But the – doesn't really – justice served doesn't really uh, take away the pain of losing someone who was a a great man to the Yarmouth community, to his hometown community of New Bedford, and uh, and to everybody that that knew him. So there you go. And again, if you want to read that more in its entirety, you can either go to WBSM.com, to the app, or you can go to the Yarmouth Police Department Facebook page and a number of other local – Police departments have uh, have shared that post as well. Also at WBSM.com and on the app, you'll find my article about the Frederick Douglass Way street sign finally being corrected, and, and, and I guess it was incorrect for 27 years. For as long as that street has been rededicated Frederick Douglass Way, it seems like the original sign they put up there was misspelled and, and nobody really noticed. Phil Devitt, our Eagle Eye digital, Man- digital managing editor did, and he pointed it out to me. But, and a few other people have said that they've noticed it over the years, but nobody spoke up and reached out and said, hey, you guys should probably get this sign fixed. But I found out some fascinating information in the process. So I guess when they take down one of those signs, they recycle them. So, like, they might have taken a sign down because it gets faded or worn out or whatever or because they replace it with one of those newer historical signs they're putting in that area or whatever it might be, they can take that sign and scrape the letters off and put new letters on and use it somewhere else. I know that because I was like, we should get that original misspelled sign and hang it in Phil Devitt's office as a as a trophy for him for pointing it out. But no, Holly Huntoon said, no, no, we recycle those. So, but it's it's... Good to know that it's now spelled correctly. I mean, we've got Frederick Douglass murals in the city, we've got Frederick Douglass uh, plaques, we've got Frederick Douglass mentions on walking tours. We'll soon have a Frederick Douglass statue. That, <laughs> that's that's a lot of Frederick Douglass, and f- for good reason, because uh, you know this New Bedford was an important part of his journey into becoming. This noted abolitionist He spent formative years here Helping to define the man that he would become And the great work that he would do But somebody still had a typo (laughs) Still a typo on that sign And what's funny is you would think The most likely misspelling for Frederick Douglass Would be leaving the extra S off of his name I mean, I I can't tell you how many times I've seen that happen from people. But in this case, it was the, the middle E from Frederick wasn't there. It was instead of Frederick, it was Frederick. Which is how we say it here, even though the name is technically Frederick. But uh, it's all fixed now. And it's beautiful. I went down there yesterday, took a look at it. It's a, it's a beautiful sign. It's at the corner of Frederick Douglass Way and Middle Street, so right across from the uh, west side of the Elm Street Garage, right next to the Times Building there, and uh, with the 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 so um, what I'm looking for the pole, <laughs> the pole. Uh, they actually peeled. They actually cut back some of the branches around it. It looks too to, to to change the sign out, so you can really see it stand out now. It was it was amongst some of the leaves and branches when I went a few weeks ago and now they've they've cut all that back. So go ahead and uh, check it out for yourself if you want or you can just look at the photos I have at wbsm.com and on the app. 508-996-0500 if you want to jump into the conversation we were talking in the first hour uh the um uh Conjuring Universe is now going to be made into a TV series as uh, as Kate told us earlier. So so Max which is going to be the merger of HBO Max and and Discovery Plus has announced a sl- new slate of shows to try to get people to, to subscribe when the merger happens. And that's one of them. There'll be a series based on, I guess, Ed and Lorraine Warren. So it'll be interesting to see if we get any New England cases around. I've heard, I don't, I don't have access to their case files. I think maybe maybe uh, their son-in-law, Tony Spera, might. But I've heard rumors that they investigated a few cases in New Bedford. And I've never been able to to pinpoint that down. I haven't read all their books, so maybe they mentioned it in one of their books. But um, there have been rumors that they they did do some investigations in New Bedford. So maybe, maybe those case files are still out there. Maybe that'll be one of the episodes of the show. Certainly Ghost Hunters came here a number of times uh, during the early years of that show's run. I think the most recent time was when they went to uh, Fort Tabor, which I think was 2017, 2018. I'm, I'm not totally sure. But, of course, one of the episodes that made the show famous was at the Armory. So New Bedford has played quite a role in the in the paranormal world over the years. Uh, Brian in Fairhaven sends in a app chat message. When will the interview with the sheriff be on today? So the, I believe he's joining South Coast tonight this evening. Because so, he's having a press conference today. Uh, he's going to be talking about the first 100 days. He's going to be, I guess, revealing to the results of the study from the expert on prison suicides who came and, and examined everything at the Ash Street, at the um, Bristol County House of Corrections, and I guess the Ash Street Jail, too. So he's going to give... Uh, Sheriff Harreau is going to share the results of that report as part of his first 100 days press conference. And uh, and I believe he will be on South Coast tonight, this evening. If Marcus is listening, he can remind me what hour it's going to be in. Because um, I don't see it in our text messages. But he... He will be joining the, sh- the program tonight. I know that for sure. And if you can't listen, if you're unable to listen, you can always catch it on the podcast. Marcus does a great job of posting those podcasts pretty much as soon as the hour is over. And then it just might take a little while for it to get to the different services. It usually shows up relatively quickly on our site, on our app. But then if you're using things like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it's going to take a little while to get to those services just because they have so many podcasts that are submitted to those services at every single moment of the day. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on WBSM.
1: Hey, hello again. Quick question for you. Okay. What do you think the last good Star Wars movie was?
0: Uh, this this is a little, little way off topic, but um, the last good movie. I actually did enjoy Revenge of the Sith. I saw that at a midnight showing, writing an article for the Standard Times actually writing the first ever blog for the Standard Times. Uh, and I thought I did enjoy that movie. Uh, but then after that, I would say I haven't enjoyed anything as much as I've enjoyed The Mandalorian. Which, yeah, which, yeah, you know,
1: my, isn't a movie, but... My honest opinion would be Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, the original, and then the only one I like of the new... Newer Star Wars Disney type would be the one where Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader because it's the only one that makes sense with the original Star Wars.
0: Well, the, the first two prequels build up to it. I don't know.
1: I mean, you, you, you okay, you watch the first Star Wars, which was episode four. Obi-Wan tells Luke that he was friends with his father, who was a fighter fi- fighter pilot. You know, it sounded like he was an adult fighter pilot, and then you get that little boy flying around in the desert somewhere. I, it just didn't make sense with what Obi Wan had originally told that him in. His father had served together. They were fighter pilots, but he was also uh, Obi Wan was also a Jedi Knight.
0: Well, they skip they skip a lot of stuff in the movies and fill in the gaps with it with some of the, the like the uh, Star Wars uh, Clone Wars cartoon series fills in a lot of those gaps. My son, okay, my well, son I'm was like... my son was a big Star Wars fan when he was a little kid, and he watched all those cartoons and all the stuff in between.
1: Yeah, I used to be a Star Wars fan. I still watch a Star Wars movie, but. Who do you think was the baddest villain in Star Wars? I have, I have to say Darth Vader holds, holds the title.
0: Uh Darth Maul. Darth Maul? Yep. I my fate my, Vader my favorite. My favorite cool is my favorite is one that uh I like Darth Bane, but he didn't he hasn't made it into the movies yet.
1: Well, you gotta remember the effects of the time. Yeah. when Yoda first came out, they couldn't do much with Yoda. Then you got him. Flipping around. Yeah, with
0: the life and now, now Grogu is jumping all around, yeah, all kinds of stuff like that. So. All right, I got to <laughs> take I, I got to take a break. So I'm going to hold you there. You have, a good, right, day. have a good day. Yeah. And and uh you know, it's it's supposed to be one call per show, but it was a Star Wars question, so I allowed it. I was actually in line with my friend Amanda last night uh for you know, we went to the screening of Evil Dead Rise up at the uh the the uh, AMC Boston Common Theater there. And so because it was a a special screening, they made everybody kind of gather in an area before they let you in. And as we were getting ready to walk in, you know, we're in this line, like getting ready to go up the escalator and go to the theater. I forget the exact line, but I dropped a, a Back to the Future line on her. And she's like 27 years old, 28 years old. So she didn't know what I was talking about. And I was like, "You don't know Back to the Future?" And she's like, "I've seen little bits and pieces of it." I was like, "That—that's my favorite movie trilogy of all. Time. I love that trilogy more than I love Star Wars." Which, and then I realized, like, Star Wars isn't a trilogy anymore. <laughs> like, it doesn't work. It neither. You know, I can't say Indiana Jones because I used to say, you know, it was between Indiana Jones and Back to the Future for my favorite trilogy. But that's not a trilogy anymore. Uh, the the new Indiana Jones looks really good, way better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So I'm looking forward to that, but I told you I would give you my quick little review of Evil Dead Rise. I, I got to take a break here, but I 'll give you that when I come back and uh, let you know what I thought of it, just in case you are considering going to the movies and uh, and seeing it for yourself when it comes out on the 23rd We'll be right back. <laughs> 10-508-996-0500 or hit us up on app chat like uh, <laughs> Dan in New Bedford says, Tim, I think my house is haunted. Every time I get home from work and my wife is there, all I hear is moaning. Well, I mean, I, 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 there's a lot of ways I could go with that, Dan, but let's just say uh, I would recommend saging just in case. Get, get a big bunch of sage and set it on fire and smudge your house with it. Uh, anyway, so if if you are interested at all, I'll give you a quick, like, two-minute review of the Evil Dead Rise film. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it certainly a lot better than the 2013 Evil Dead movie. And what's what you have to understand with this going into it is that they're trying to expand the Evil Dead universe. To make it not just the story of Ash Williams and his fight against the Deadites and all of that kind of stuff. The original trilogy is great for that. And uh, again, that was also one of my favorite trilogies until it became not a trilogy. And you kind of can get a wrap up to that story to some degree with the Ash versus Evil Dead TV series that they came out with. But this is this, this is taking off from the idea. So it's, it's not about Ash, it's about the Necronomicon. And there are three versions of the – there are three copies of the Book of the Dead in the world as they talked about in Army of Darkness. So now it's going to be the story of those books and where those books end up and the people that those books affect. So these books that when people open them and read the incantations in them, you know these demons come and inhabit people. And so that's why the, the last movie in 2013 was a straight horror film and not a comedy, horror comedy. And this one is a straight horror film, but it doesn't tie into the previous one. So if you didn't see that 2013 one, you can still go see this one. In fact, if you've never seen any Evil Dead movie, you can still go and see this one. And it would not really affect your enjoyment of the film. Uh, what it would do is you might you might not pick up on some of the little Easter egg type things that they put in, but that's it's not important to the story. And the other part of this in terms of it being part of the evil dead universe is in the past. There was always some sort of reference to Ash, if not Ash being in it. And of course his Delta 88, neither are in this film. So just know that going into it. And these are in interviews. These aren't spoilers. So, and I, I did like it. I thought it was a pretty well done horror film. Instead of taking place in a cabin in the woods, like the evil dead movies have always taken place because that's kind of a tired trope at this point, it takes place in an L.A., apartment building which was interesting to give it that new that new landscape to play with and it's a new dynamic of who the people are it's a family as opposed to being a group of friends in a cabin so that gave it a new dynamic it was it was really well done there were a few little f- lines that were in there that were obviously thrown in there to kind of get a chuckle more than a scare but I definitely enjoyed it. If I had paid money to go see this, cause again, this was an invitation screening, but if I had paid money to get into this, I wouldn't be upset. And that's, that's a lot for me to say when I go to the movies to see a horror film, because most of the time I'm just like, I should have just wait for that to come out on streaming. But this, this is worth a, a, a nice, you know, maybe a date night. If your dates into horror movies or maybe going to see for yourself, if you're, if you're into horror films and it, and, and it had one of the best final boss, bad guys of a horror film in a long time too. So I enjoyed it. I liked it. I, I guess I have to let go of that, you know, desire to see Ash Williams continue because Bruce Campbell has said he wants to retire from playing that role, still hoping that they make army of darkness too. But, uh, which is obviously, you know, my, my favorite in the series, but, uh, it, it, it's definitely worth going and checking out and seeing for yourself. And I said to, Amanda, my friend that went with me who got the invitation from Warner Brothers. I said, you know, because you are an influencer, obviously that's why they invite you. They want you to talk about it and post about it. And do you have to say that you like the movie? And she's like, no, they don't give us any direction as to what to do. They just invite us and then we we do what we want to do. So I was like, oh, okay. Because I don't want to like say anything negative if I watch the movie and it's negative and have it reflect badly on you. So I was like, that was in my mind the whole time. Like, just try to find some something good to say about it. And then when the movie was over and it was all said and done, I was like, oh, I don't have to try to find it. I I, I, don't, I liked it. I enjoyed it. If I watched that in in didn't know anything about the Evil Dead world at all, I would certainly think that it was a, a perfectly fine horror film. And it, even as part of that universe, I see now what they're trying to do, and it's a good step forward with that. So anyway, that's my review if it's something that you want to check out for yourself. Uh, And again, of course, we talked earlier about the Conjuring films. There was supposed to be a new Conjuring movie, a Conjuring, what would that be, four? And there was speculation as to what the storyline would be about that. And there were rumors that it was going to be about one of the most famous cases that the Warrens ever took on. Well, that could be a remake of the Haunting in Connecticut story, but everybody assumes that that means it's Amityville. And unfortunately, they can't do anything with the Conjuring universe in Amityville because they don't own the rights to Amityville. Warner Brothers doesn't have the rights to Amityville story. It's owned by, I think it's Miramax now. Or New Line. Or one of the, I don't know, everybody's buying Everybody. And everybody's merging with everybody, but I know that they didn't have the rights. That's why at the beginning of, I think, Conjuring 2, they like allude to Amityville, but they don't say it outright. But the Conjuring universe, James Wan, they've always wanted to make an Amityville-Warren film, but they just they can't get the rights to do it. Maybe maybe this merger will allow that to happen with whoever owns whoever and all of it coming together. Anyway, 508 996 I want to talk, too, about if you, if you had a chance to hear it yesterday, Barry had an interview with uh, Father Jay Mello, who is at the St. Michael's School in Fall River, and he was talking with Barry about this young men's club that they have started after school at, at St. Michael's School, which obviously you know is a religious private school. But they started this club... And, and Barry has an article about it at WBSM.com and on the app. And you know what I'll do is I'll, I'll add the podcast into the story when I get a moment as well. But you can find the podcast uh, at, at WBSM.com or on the app or wherever you get podcasts from. And uh, Father J. Mello went on to talk about the, what this young men's club is all about. And I'm just going to read a, a, a quote here from Barry's article. To Father Mello, it means... Uh, So let me go, let me backtrack a little bit here. Uh, The school's website says that they are committed to providing the foundation for lifelong learning, skills for critical thinking, and problem solving. To Father Mello, that means teaching the virtues of honesty, integrity, and respect. St. Michael's School launched a new after-school program in March, one of many offered to students. The Young Men's Club, run by Principal Ryan Klein and custodian Michael Lubold, seeks to teach the boys, quote, traditional masculine roles, by teaching them basic skills such as changing a tire and making household repairs. Now, I heard the interview with Father Jay, and of course, I'm not going to agree with everything that he says. But in hearing his conversation with Barry and the reason why that they want to teach these, these skills, I'm, so I, I, I agree with the foundation of what they're trying to teach. I agree with wanting to teach people, in this case, young men, to be respectful, to learn how to be positive contributors to society. And and I understand all of that. Uh, I'm not going to agree with the idea of having to teach, you know, masculinity roles. It's not just the man's job to change a tire. It's not just the man's job to make household repairs. A woman can certainly do all of those things. And I don't feel less masculine. To be honest, I don't really care about masculinity at all. But I don't feel like less of a man if I can't repair something. But then again, I always try to do it myself anyway. And that comes out of cheapness more than anything. Why do I want to call somebody... to to pay for a repair if I can just do it myself by watching YouTube and and figuring it out on my own. The only thing I won't do is electricity. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm scared of electricity. I'm not going to get myself electrocuted because I tried to save a few bucks. But car repairs, if it's something that my hands can get to and if it's something that I can take apart that won't cause too much damage, I'm going to try and do it myself. I bring the laptop out or my phone out and I perch it uh, you know, somewhere underneath the hood and I watch the video and I do it all myself. But I don't think that that's my job as a man to know how to do. In, in some ways, I'm a bit traditional where if I am in a car with a woman and we get a flat tire, yeah, I'm going to be the one to get out and change it. You stay in the car. I hold the door open I mean I hold the door open for anybody it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're a woman or not I hold the door open for anybody But if I am In the car with a woman I will go and I will turn around and open the door for them As I joked to Amanda last night When we were going to the movie uh, When I parked in the garage That we parked in It, it was so tight I, I almost couldn't get out of the car Myself And I told her, I was like, I would have opened your door for you to be a gentleman. But, you know, I couldn't couldn't get (laughs) it was even tighter on your side than it was on mine. But, you know, I will do those things. Uh, It irks me if I go to a gas station and I see the woman get out of the car to pump the gas while the guy is sitting in the front seat like playing on his phone. So some of these are kind of my own still having hangups of my idea of what a man should do and what a woman shouldn't do or shouldn't have to do that I need to get over. But I don't think that these are the man's jobs. And Father Jay was very much, um, you know, he explained very well with, with Barry that, you know, to them, masculinity isn't about being, he mentioned, you know, multiple times, Hulk Hogan, Rambo. That's not what they're they're talking about when they're talking about this. They're talking about, you know, standing up for yourself. They're talking about, you know, doing the right thing. All things that I agree with. So I think that there's some connotations people will make to this without it, without those connotations actually being legitimate. One of the things that, you know, one of the questions that will pop up is, well why isn't the saint michael school offering the opportunity for girls to want to go and learn how to do these things and and maybe they are maybe they have that opportunity maybe if somebody wanted to join the young men's club to learn these skills and to learn these these virtues it would be okay maybe it's a maybe it's a boy school i don't know i don't know that much about that school It just says uh, in Barry's article, it's a private school that provides quality education to children from preschool through eighth grade. But this also kind of comes under the guise of, in my mind, everybody that's been calling for the past couple of days yelling at me or sending me app chat messages saying, just let kids be kids okay, well, wouldn't just letting kids be kids mean that when you have eighth grade students that they don't need to learn masculine roles? That they don't need to learn how to do all these repairs to, to justify themselves as a man? I went into the interview listening to it. I was listening to it as I was driving yesterday to Boston. And I went into it thinking I was going to disagree with everything that Father Mello said. And, I you know, right from the beginning, he uses the word indoctrination. He says, you know, there's an indoctrination going on. And, and I, the, the first thing out of my mouth is, ha, huh, that's funny, the Catholic Church talking about indoctrination. Because literally religion is indoctrinating people into their belief system. Kids who are born into Catholic families aren't getting the choice. Do you want to go to Catholic church? Do you want to go to Lutheran church? Do you want to go, do you want to be Jewish? Do you want to, they're not getting that choice. Their parents' beliefs and virtues are being forced on them. So that's the very definition of indoctrination. But, you know, he made a lot of good points about the need for, And I think, you know, we talked about this. We talked about this when it comes to the parking situation where people just have no respect, no courteousness. They just park where they want and feel entitled that they're allowed to. And I think a a group like this that can teach people not to have that mentality is is a good thing. So I'm not going to come on here and rail against the fact that this, this group shouldn't exist. But I think that in 2023... We've got to realize that these notions of masculinity and femininity are social constructs that don't have to exist. If there's a, a, a young girl out there that wants to learn how to change a tire, how to fix a hole in the wall, any of those other things, you certainly can. And it, it doesn't sound like this group is saying that they can't. It's just trying to provide the opportunity for students to young boys to be able to learn that if they want to. But you can read more about it in Barry's article at WBSM.com and on the app. I know they had conversation about it yesterday. I'm sure they'll have more conversation about it today. Uh, One of the things that I think is a little bit of a strained argument in this is the idea that Without a man in their life, a, a child can't grow up to be, a, a young boy can't grow up to be a good man if he doesn't have a positive male influence in his life, if he doesn't have a positive male role model in his life. I don't, I don't buy that for a second. There are plenty of people who grow up perfectly fine and well-adjusted without a, a male figure in their life or without a mother figure in their life and still become perfectly fine. It's all about the people who are raising you And what it is that they instill within you. And saying that, you know, somebody turns out to be a bad person because of the way they were raised is also kind of a cop out in some degree, to some degree. Yeah, it certainly doesn't help if somebody is raised incorrectly. But there are plenty of people who are raised correctly who go on to do incorrect things. The same self-accountability that you're trying to teach in this class, the same uh, self-awareness that you're trying to teach means that you should also realize that sometimes, you know, sometimes you did the best that you could and these things happen otherwise. There's no formula that determines why somebody does something wrong. And We put way too much emphasis on, well, they come from a bad home. Good people have come from bad homes, bad people have come from good homes. Blaming it on how you were raised, and, and I say this all the time, you know, unless you're coming through with, you know obviously traumatic events and PTSD from those traumatic events can certainly have a serious effect on you. But it's also Too much of an excuse to say Well you know I I can't help it That's how I was raised Like if you don't cover your mouth When you sneeze Because your, your mother or father Never told you That you had to cover your mouth When you sneeze Doesn't mean that as an adult You don't have to cover your mouth When you sneeze And you get to say Well I'm sorry My parents never taught me to do it So I'm just gonna sneeze on everybody There has to be some self accountability At some point too But anyway, check out Barry's story, and uh, and I will try to add the podcast in there uh, so that you can find it and and hear it for yourself. Uh, Because of the way I'll insert it in there, it'll be the latter half of the podcast that's put in there, but I'll I'll try and get the mark where it starts and, and give it to you exactly where to start. And of course, if you haven't already listened to Barry's podcast, what are you waiting for? We put it up there every day for you to check out. He always has uh, interesting discussions, interesting calls, interesting guests. And it's one of the many shows that you can check out on the WBSM app. It's brought to you by South Coast Towing. They make it happen for everybody. And uh, that way there, you can get all of our great WBSM content no matter what. All right. Well, we are going to take a break. When we come back on the other side, 508-996-0500. Hit me up on App Chat on the WBSM app or use the open line feature on the WBSM app if you want to yell at me. Just make sure you keep it clean for air. We'll be right back. And so, uh, Marcus, let me know that tonight on South Coast tonight, he will have two members of the Fairhaven Select Board uh, on in the 7 o'clock hour to talk about the Proposition Two and a Half override. And uh, and anybody who has questions uh, for them can call in with those questions. And then I, I asked him if he can let me know uh, what time the sheriff is coming on because I believe, yep, there we go, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock will be Sheriff Ferro talking about his first 100 days and the results of the— um, the study that was done by the suicide expert. So that'll all be part of a a full action-packed show tonight on South Coast tonight. Uh, Listen open up those windows today let the nice air in it's too soon for air conditioning so let that nice air in and get some of that you know that that warm spring air flowing through your through your windows and maybe you're going to open up your windows and find out that one of the panes of glass broke over the win over the winter or maybe maybe your screen got ripped during some of the storms that we had or or maybe it's just time to get a new window. Maybe it's time to get it replaced because it's a little bit too drafty, and you want to make sure that when you turn that air conditioning on, it's not you're, you're you're keeping all the cool air in and not letting it out. Well, call Precision Window and Kitchen in New Bedford because they can handle it all. No job too big, no job too small. And over 35 years of business, they have seen it all, and they will take those jobs that the other guys just say, hey. We're not doing that. That's that's too small time for us. Precision Window and Kitchen will do those small jobs, but they can also do all the big jobs as well. You want a full kitchen or bath remodel? They can do that. You want every window replaced in your home? They can do that. You need new entry doors? Upgrade your entry doors to something a little bit more modern? They can do that. It's, uh, it's just all part of the great slate of services that they can offer you. You can go on by their showroom at 1111 at Cushion Avenue and talk to them there. Or the easiest way to find out more is to go to precisionwindowandkitchen.com. precisionwindowandkitchen.com. Yeah. All right, welcome back in. Before we go into the newsroom coming up in just a moment, we got an open line message from Answered7 in a kushna and he sent this in, and I'm going to play it for you right now, and this is how you can send in uh, your own voicemail to send us so we can play on the air.
1: Hey, Tim, Answered7. Just wanted to say um, to let Kate know, again, I had commented before on the way she says Canadians. Tell her it's Canadians. Canadians. She'll get a laugh again. Anyway, love your show. I'll send you another... Uh, message bye
0: and there you go it's just as easy as opening up the wbsm app hitting that open line button selecting record audio and then you can just record a message to it send us in and we can play it kate is laughing and shaking her head right now so kate jump on the mic for a second i got about one minute but I just want you to explain why you say Canadian. It's Canadien. Well, it's I don't know. That's just how it's spelled, and that's how it would be said. The proper French pronunciation right. doesn't pronounce the S. Well, my my problem is I can't force myself to change because otherwise I'll skip and stumble over it, and I know
1: that, so I just go ahead and say it the just, way I say it.
0: Just call them the Habs. <laughs> that's a nickname, les habitants, sure, because yeah. they they live there, so they don't call themselves. A, so there you go. Okay. So.